Ryan French from Monday Q Info joins the pod. So Ryan has the best golf content on Twitter. You can find him at a case of the golf one or just search Monday Q Info. He'll pop up. So Ryan, thank you so much for coming on. Um, can you tell everyone just who are you? What's your background in golf? And really just how sure. did you come to start the account? Yeah. Well, first of all, Chris, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Um, as I said before, we got on, we started recording. A lot of people have helped me and, uh, you know, I'm very appreciative of people even wanting me on, on their podcast. So thanks for asking me. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll try to keep it as short as possible. Uh, played junior college golf and then tried to walk on at a four-year school. And that was my moment of like, Hey, there was a lot of talented golfers out there. And, uh, I was going to be like number nine man on a five man team. So, uh, did not play there, really had no desire to go to practice every day, knowing I, I didn't really have much of a chance, even if I improved. So, um, yeah, after the kind of the core of, of how the account started, started way, way back. My dad and I used to take a caddy trip a year and go caddy on a mini tour. And so it was really great insight into, I say two things all the time is one, how good the players were that weren't on tour. And two, uh, the lifestyle wasn't what, you know, most people see. So right. did that for a bunch of years. And then uh, fast forward many years, I was in the restaurant business. I just did that part time, you know, once a week or once a year, twice a year, sometimes throughout that I met guys and was lucky enough to like caddy at Q school and caddy on the corn ferry tour again, just a week at a time here and there um, a bunch of Mondays. So just like more and more and more insight into like what this life kind of looks like. Uh, both talent wise and what their lifestyle looks like. So, but I, I had a full-time job, ran a group of restaurants. And then um, my son had brain surgery three years ago. Uh, the restaurant group that I was working for um, went bankrupt around the same time. And so it was kind of a, a perfect time for me to just kind of reset. And I took some time off and the, the plan was, I was going to go back to work in like two months once my son was healthy and take some time and find a new job and, those kind of things. And, uh, here I am three years later, I've not gone back to a full-time job. So, uh, it's been a crazy ride, zero expectations. It was never the intention of, of like becoming a thing when I started it, it was mm -hmm. really just something for me to do. It was really pretty selfish. The reason I started it is like, I wanted a, <laughs> an adult thing to do. So, right. uh, here we are. It's been a crazy, crazy ride. I love it. So you are, recently at the mgm resorts championship in vegas you're caddying for mark baldwin i know you were tweeting a bunch about it but can you kind of describe what that experience was like um yeah. i don't know how often you caddy for these guys but i'm sure that this was a very unique experience especially what happened on thursday yeah um yeah i mean i've tweeted a lot about being first alternate uh but definitely had more of an appreciation because of the experience last week. So, um, yeah, Mark was the, the first alternate. And I think this is just great insight. I had planned to leave on Thursday and come home. I was just there for the Monday and then I played in the pro-am and stuff. So I really had no intention of staying all week. And this is kind of great insight into what first alternate life is, is like Mark doesn't have a caddy. He doesn't have a full-time caddy. So to like, like he does, you know, he, he either pays somebody or, um, like he said, Hey, can you come help me? So 
I came, helped him. I changed my flight to Friday morning to start. And so, uh, didn't think we would get in. There would be, had been no withdrawal. So the first alternate life is, is, uh, yeah, go wait at the course all day. And if mm-hmm. someone withdraws, you're going to get in. So, uh, we were staying downtown and the course was like 45 minutes away. So we were up at four 30, um, drove out to the course. First tee time was six 30. So we sat on the range and, and the whole morning wave went off and it didn't, uh, nothing happened. No, no one withdrew. So that was, uh, you know, we were like, well, no chance to get in and like, you have to waste time and warm up. And so yes, sat on the range. We went and had like smoothies. We went and (laughs) you just have nothing to do. Like it's just basically, uh, you know, waste time. So, uh, came back for the afternoon wave again, not thinking that we would really get in and started the warm up again. And Matt every, uh, had an 11:50 tea time and his hip was sore and that was it. I mean, we were in, so it happened so quick. Like it's, and it's such a high, you kind of got to readjust yourself. Once you get on the tee, like you really don't think at that point you're going to get in so exciting. And then you're like, Oh, I got to go play 18 holes. Let's just kind of calm down and like restart here. Uh, and it's just a tough day. You know, you've been up since four 30, you've already warmed up twice. Uh, mentally it's tough. You got to, reset and uh yeah mark i mean it was blowing 30 and uh mark shot one over which is considering everything that had happened that morning i thought pretty good so it definitely just gave me a more appreciation for what these guys go through i mean spencer levine who's won nine million dollars on the pga tour is going through it today he's the first alternate at the corn ferry event he's sitting there you know waiting to see if someone withdraws or doesn't show up or hurts themselves on the range or whatever it's not, so every had an 11:50 tee time. You said 11:55. Yes. And what time did you find out that you were playing? Like 11:20. Um, yeah. So it was. Wow. Uh, you know, Mark was actually sitting in his car, uh, charging his phone because, like, you always <laughs> you have to have your phone on. So for people that don't know, what happens is the tour calls you. Someone will withdraw, um, and so the tour calls you. So you obviously have to have your phone on all the time. You're checking it all the time to make sure you didn't miss a call. And so, yeah, his phone died pretty quickly. Um, and then, yeah, he was in the, he was in the car charging his phone. I was standing on the range waiting for him. We were going to start our warm up again. And uh, yeah, he sent me a text and said, Hey, we're in, get ready. And so, yeah, it's, and it's a great look into Chris is what, uh, Mark is very well liked out there. Great guy has become a friend of mine and it's always great insight into where you stand on tour, how well liked you are, because (laughs) there's some first alternates I get in that don't, don't get a lot of handshakes. And obviously because I was like talking about it, more people were aware that Mark was, Mark was the first alternate, but when it, when it kind of came out that we were in, everybody was like giving us fist pounds and stuff like that on the way to the course. So that's awesome. That's um, so good to see. Or on that. the way to the tee. Yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. So great experience. I think it would have been great insight either way uh, and gave me an appreciation for what these guys go through. Um, but it was awesome that we got in. Mark made the cut, didn't play well on the weekend, but any little money helps exactly. uh, as far as the reshuffle goes. So it was an important week and, you know, if I would have said, Hey, you're going to finish second to last after making the cut on Thursday morning, he would have taken it in a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah, he didn't have a tea totally. time. So, you know, 
the mental shift that you have to go through on Thursday, not knowing you're going to be in for, for the five hours that you are, you know, waiting at the course is it's pretty incredible. And then to go out in 30 mile an hour winds and, and grind one out and make the cut. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, and it, and it's so, it's great insight to how thin the line is. I mean, Mark played terrible in the Monday. So he played the Monday thinking he wouldn't get in. Uh, and this is not a shot at Grace Hum- Summerhays because she's a very good amateur golfer and is going to be probably a, a star one day. But I mean, she's a 16 year old girl playing on a, on a uh, 7,200 yard course and Mark beat her by two strokes only on Monday. So like he didn't go in with a lot of confidence. The last time he teed it up, a 16 year old girl almost beat him. So, uh, you know, it, it was, uh, it's a tough position to be in and to play semi decently and make the cut is, is, uh, really, really good. Now moving on to just a more general discussion on professional golf. What are some of the misconceptions that you think people have about mini tour life, starting to try to go pro and Monday qualifiers and just how much of a grind that is in the lower ranks. Because I think a lot of people, I think don't have an appreciation for that. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. You know, I, I say the same thing, Chris, all the time. It's like, I think a lot of people see other minor league sports, right? Like most of us have been to a, to a minor league baseball game or, you know, whatever. So, you know, it's not, there's no fans. It's very fractured, the mini tour grind, but, I think a lot of casual golf fans see like huge, you know, checks, million dollar, over a million dollar checks or $2 million if you win a major, those kind of things. And, and it's, uh, it's not like that at all. Um, you know, I use a tweet a lot. That's, you know, I title it, don't forget the journey. And I use Joel Damon a lot. Uh, Joel just won, you know, has won now, whatever, four or $5 million on the PJ tour obviously is, is well off now, but, you know, for seven years, he played on mini tours across the country, wasn't making any money. I mean, the, just the fact is that these guys are really, really good. And pro golf is really, really hard. Um, you know, I use an example, Norman Zhang. I just saw him again in uh, the Monday at the Corn Ferry. Norman Zhang was by far the best amateur uh, the year he came out. His coach said he might be the next Tiger Woods. And that dude can't crack an egg. And it's the most fairest game because at the end of the day, you just have to shoot a score. No right. one cares about resume and no one measures you or whatever. And it also can be the cruelest game because, you know, Norman was going to be a very, very good pro and just has lost it for whatever reason. So yeah, the two big things is I, I really think that, you know, it costs money to, it really costs money to play pro golf. You're going to need 60 grand to even tee it up for a year. You're not going to make that money back more than likely, maybe two or 3% of mini tour players make money and they're not making a ton. You know, there's a few exceptions to that rule, but for the most part, none. And their players are really, really good. Uh, I say all the time that if you take the 50th best player on the PGA tour and put them next to a very good developmental tour player on the range, and you didn't know their names, you would have no idea who the pro the PGA tour pro is and who the developmental tour pro is it's just razor thin. We're talking tenths to maybe half a stroke around uh, that separates these guys, or it's just maybe just purely an opportunity. They haven't played well at Q school or whatever. There's a million examples of guys who never made it through Q school who are now, you know, Russell Knox dude missed by 19, nine, seven. I mean, never 
he just struggled at, at at Q school. So there's plenty of players out there who, if given a PGA Tour card, would be just fine out there. They just haven't played well at the right times. And just on like a week to week basis, what is that lifestyle like playing on development tours and Monday qualifiers? Are a lot of guys, you know, sleeping in their cars, just traveling from event to event and Monday to Monday. Yeah. I mean, you're, you know, there's obviously people who come from money, but yeah, for the most part, it's save every money, you know, every bit of money you can. And that, that I mean, that's even true on the corn ferry tour. You know, I'll use Luke Kwan as an example last week got through it the Monday for the MGM. I mean, this is a corn ferry player. And I said, like, what's the first job? And he's like, the first job is to find a roommate for the week so I can split costs at the hotels, you know? So that's kind of an insight. And that is a guy who's one level away from, from being on the PGA tour. Right. Um, Yeah. It's a lot of couches. It's a lot of sleeping in cars. It's a lot of asking friends, family, friends of family members to sleep on the couch for the week. Uh, I've housed corn ferry players at my own house. You know, it's, there, there is zero glamor in mini tour life. Zero. Uh, you know, you're not playing great courses. Uh, the mini tour you're playing on is taking 20% of your money and then you're playing for the rest of that. Um, you know, it's, it's just not easy. And I, I say all the time, Chris, I don't want people to feel sorry for these people. They, these players, they've chosen this life. Uh, but also I want them to have an appreciation that it's not, it's not totally. as glamorous as people think. Totally. And there, you know, there are so many players that have started their careers just playing terrible golf. I mean, Justin Rose comes to mind. I think yep. he missed his first 17 cuts. Yep. Other guys like Lonto Griffin, Brendan Todd, Max Homa. A lot of these guys that, you know, if you were watching them on a weekly basis, you say, why don't you just quit the game? I mean, it's, this is, this is terrible, but these guys stick through it and, and they're patient and they grind it out and they get their break and boom, you know, and yeah, um, I mean, Lanto is a great example. I mean, Lanto called his agent and quit. I mean, he was like, I'm done. And his agent's like, Hey, why don't you look at it? You know, sports psychology, He's seven years into his, his career. And, uh, you know, basically hadn't cracked an egg, uh, anywhere. He had corn fairy status, but he was not playing well at all. And six weeks later, he won, and now he's a PGA Tour winner. And and I'm sure there was plenty of people, maybe not to land to his face, but behind his back that were like, why is he still playing? Right. Uh, so, um, I mean, there's no doubt. I say it about, you know, players that are now, and then all of a sudden they make it. So 100% there was, there was people in Lanto's life that, again, whether they said it to his face or not, were like, what the hell is he doing? He's seven years into his career. He's never had status, struggled on the e-golf tour. You know, what is he doing? And he stuck with it. And now he's a multimillionaire. And I think what's particularly interesting about mini tour life is Monday qualifiers specifically. It's so freaking hard to get through. I mean, can you try to explain like how difficult it can be? I mean, I know you, you recently tweeted out uh, the story of the guy who had an afternoon tea time and someone in the morning shot 60. So he's yep. teeing it up, needing a 59 to get yes. in. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's, um, I think the average last year on the corn ferry tour for the last spot was, was 65 and a half. So really basically that breaks it down into 
if you shoot 66 every every corn fairy event if you average 66 you weren't going to get into very many if any and so that's really hard for people to kind of comprehend uh you know shoot six under every single day and not have a chance is right. is rough uh, i mean it's 150 guys on corn fairy events 100 guys at pj tour events and you got to shoot one of the best four scores what I love about it, Chris, is it gives – there is no – there's nothing like it in sports that I can think of. Uh, I always kind of say it's like there's no free throw contest to join the Lakers. Uh, you know, there's no uh, breakaway contest to join the Detroit Red Wings. And, and essentially, that's what a Monday qualifier is, is if you're good enough, tee it up, and you're going to have a chance to play on the PGA Tour. Obviously, there's steps to it, but – you know, I use guys like Ted Belkin. Ted Belkin literally was a Pizza Hut manager and played in the Byron Nelson. And that's crazy. But what it takes to get there is absolutely uh, just nuts. It's it's just really, really hard. The guys that you have never heard of uh, that are grinding their ass off to get to the PGA Tour are would be the best golfer that 99% of players have ever played with. It's so crazy. And I was scrolling through one of your recent tweets where you were taking questions from a lot of people. Um, I just like to follow up on a couple of those um, sure. and get, and get the full story if you don't mind. So yep. Corey Connors, Valero week. Can you quickly just lay that story out and, and how incredible that was for Corey. And obviously, you know, Corey playing so well at the masters recently, he's really developed into just such a consistent player. I mean, that guy's going to be an ATM uh, yeah. for the next 10, 20 years. So, um, yeah, I mean, how that came to be. Yeah. Uh, I mean, people realize that he's the first Monday qualifier in nine years to win. So only four people in the current form of Mondays have ever Monday qualified and then won in the PGA tour twice in 1986, Arjun Atwal in 2010 and then Corey in 2019. But the, the circumstances that came up to Corey winning is, is pretty crazy. So, the event before was in the Dominican Republic or Puerto Rico. I can't remember. And he was right on the cut line and missed a few short putts on the way in, missed the cut by two. Had he made the cut, he would have never made it to the Monday qualifier. So let's just start there. That's not too crazy, but that's definitely, uh, you know, the start of the story. And then I got a message on that Monday. So I'd really just started the count kind of started to grow. And I was getting reports and a player had sent me a message that, player in his group had a tap in for eagle went up to it left the flag in, and the flag was leaning against him went to tap it in and it got pinched out and so made birdie had he made that putt he would not have he would have been the last spot and Corey would not have been in the playoff also Corey made like a 30 footer on the last hole <laughs> to even shoot i think it was 68 uh, to even get in a six for one playoff. So m- misses the cut, misses some short ones. A guy <laughs> misses a tap in. He misses me. He makes a 30 foot bomb on the last hole to get into the playoff. And then it was a six for one playoff. And like in big playoffs like this is very rare to go one hole. He knocked a wedge to like six feet and made it. And it was in. And so, I mean, after that week happened to think of all the circumstances that happened in order to, lead to his win i say it all the time is obviously Corey's very talented he's proven that since the valero he would have made it at some point 
But that Monday definitely fast forwarded it, you know, his career tenfold or fivefold or whatever that is. Um, because, you know, he played well at the Masters that next week. I mean, the dude made the cut. Right. He's played well in the last two Masters he's played in. You know, I don't think he's missed a cut in like 10 weeks or something like that. Uh, the guy is really, really good. But that Monday, fast forwarded his career. It really just speaks to the talent that's playing at Mondays all the time. There's plenty of guys just like Corey that tee it up at Mondays all the time, given the right circumstances, right week, you know, good 90 holes and their life changes. And it's, it's crazy. Once a player gets that cushion of, okay, now you have two years really build a confidence. I think is, is huge. Yeah. I mean, just, you don't have to play under pressure. You know, it, it is those, those little things that the general public just doesn't know when you're always on the edge for your card, every little putt, it's just so important. Like, are you going to make a cut? Are you going to move up in points? When that's hanging over your head week after week, it gets stressful. It definitely takes an effect on your game. Uh, you know, I mean, Mark Mark and I felt it in a small, you know, the reshuffle was coming. Putts down the line on Friday when you know you have to make the cut is, I mean, that's, it. it's true, true pressure. Of course, there's pressure at the top of the leaderboard. I'm not discounting that. But look at the bottom of the leaderboard. Those are true putts. Like, you know, Mark and I are grinding over five footers knowing that, you know, a missed cut and he's probably at Mondays for the probably the rest of the year outside of a few events. So like that is, is true pressure. So to have a two year cushion of no matter how you play, you're going to be able to tee it up in whatever PGA tour events you want to tee it up in is just really freeing for these guys. And, and it happens on the corn ferry too. It's like you win, at least you have a place to play. And Five footers to make the cut and miss the cut, still important, but not as important when you know next week you can get into an event no matter what. Totally. And then just switching right to another story, could you tell the the Jay McLuhan Monday Q story? Yeah. I mean, I um, I say it all the time, Chris, is I don't know if I can top it. I really don't know if I can top the Jay McLuhan story. Uh, Jay was sitting on his couch perfectly healthy in 2017, I believe. Uh, headed to Q school in the, in the week next week and his heart stopped just out of the blue, went into full cardiac arrest. Um, and he, uh, was revived by his wife. Uh, ambulance came, died again in the, in the, uh, ambulance. They paddled him seven times in order to get him back. Uh, you know, they thought he was dead, uh, revived him again. Uh, he made it started playing again last May. Um, they have some property. They had problems with a brush hog and they had it jacked up and him and his wife were underneath of it. And, uh, it fell and it fell on his wife, fell on him too. He had to call his, uh, seven-year-old over his seven-year-old had to run to the neighbor's house. The neighbor had to come with the tractor and lift the brush hog off of him, then gave him CPR or her CPR, sorry, his wife and revived her and she's okay. And it kind of goes back to the, the crazy circumstances that saved her life. So her, his neighbor is a landscaper and is never home on Saturdays. He's been in business for 30 years and he has never cut grass on Friday night. For some reason that Friday night, he cut grass so he could have Saturday off and was at home. If he wasn't at home, she's dead. And, uh, you know, and then he 
Monday qualified and made the cut at the Sanderson Farms. It's, it's, a, it's a ridiculous story, an amazing story. Him and I have become like acquaintances, friends, whatever. And, you know, just he said it, it's like 10-foot birdies. When you've been dead and revived your wife, just really don't have that much of effect on, on your life. Can't even imagine the perspective switch, but it just the randomness of it all is, I think, what's most almost haunting. Like, yes, the fact that just these external random circumstances yep. can completely save you and completely destroy you. And yeah. it's just how it goes. And that is no doubt one of the most incredible stories that there is. Um, For sure. And then just moving on to some other quick questions, who do you think, and you may have to give this some thought, but who do you think was the, the best player that you've seen on mini tours and Monday cues who never got there, never lived up to it? Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've bantered around this idea and people will, I mean, people who played will remember, but you know, there's a couple guys from the Hooters tour. Brandon Brown was his name. One of the guys' names, Jeff core played out there. And they both can I mean, the Hooters tour was like a pretty amazing mini tour. If you go back and look at the money list, there was guys that have won majors that finished like 30th, 40th on them. I mean, Russell Knox, Keegan Bradley. I mean, the list goes on and on. The who's who of out there on the PGA tour probably teed it up at least a couple of Hooters events, if not a couple of seasons. So, I mean, it was like they had Monday qualifiers for a mini tour event, if that gives you some perspective of how big the Hooters tour was. They were playing for like $225,000 purses. Um, and Brandon and Jeff both really kind of dominated at, at times throughout that, that Hooters tour. And they just never could break through. And you just wonder, like, obviously they had game. They were completely beat up on current PGA tour winners. So right. it was, it wasn't the lack of game was off course or, you know, just not playing well at Q school at the right times or whatever it was for some reason. Uh, I mean, I'm sure you could do a case study of why those guys didn't make it. Right. And do you think there's just sort of just the randomness to it that you kind of have to catch your break at the exact time? Yeah. There's a guy who works in the business who says, you know, like some guys just aren't good in October and November and that's Q school time. And that's when you have outside of like Monday qualifying and do something really miraculous, which just doesn't happen very often. At the end of the day, you got to play well once a year and that's at Q school. Uh, and then you can have an entire season to kind of like prove yourself. And, you know, sometimes that pressure just gets to guys and, and it just doesn't work out for whatever reason. And, you know, Brandon, was just one of those guys for whatever the reason was, he just never got through Q school. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, a, you know, again, it, it was not a talent issue. He proved it over and over again that he belonged out there. Uh, you know, he just, just couldn't get it going. Andrew, Andrew Metzger is another example. I'm, Andre is probably one of the few people that makes a good living on the mini tour. They've seen he's made like 700,000 on the Dakotas tour has had corn fairy status a couple times and just hasn't been able to pull it off. What's the reason? I don't know. You know, <laughs> obviously if Andre, Andre could, could answer it, he would, he would change whatever that is. But <laughs> right. Exactly. For whatever reason, he's just like, can't, can't make it out there. And it's, it's crazy. And do those sort of guys, almost become kind of like legends on the mini tour. Are there some legends on the mini tour that are, are really well-known guys that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you don't ever want, you know, 
I asked uh, Kevin Allen is, is pretty young to be called a mini tour legend, but he's headed there if he doesn't like break through relatively soon. And, uh, you know, I asked him just point blank, like, does the, does the term, you know, mini tour legend bother you? And he said, yeah, used to for sure. But, you know, now I realize how good guys out there and like, yeah, I haven't made it, but he's won like 30 multi-day mini tour events. Right. And like when he tees it up, he's probably going to be in contention, but he's just never been able to make it. And he's like, yeah, it used to bother me, but yeah, I mean, there's tons of guys. Sonny Kim is an absolute, like a legit legend. The guy's won 80 times, probably over a hundred mini tour events and literally has had corn fresh status once and couldn't crack an egg. Uh, and you know, he, I mean, he's a full blown legend. The guy is <laughs> as good as he comes. Yeah. So yeah, there's plenty of guys out there, but you don't want to be, I mean, at the end of the day, you don't want to be called a mini tour legend. Right. Uh, you don't want to be comfortable at any level except for one level. And that's at the PGA tour level. Uh, you know, there's guys who play well on the corn Ferry tour and kind of never make it on the PGA tour. There's guys who play well on Latin American or can Canadian, but can't do it at the corn Ferry level. You don't, yeah. I mean, you don't want to be comfortable at any tour except for one. Exactly. Do you think there's a strong community out there between all the guys? Do you think there's a lot of camaraderie and? Um... Yeah, I, I think there's some, Chris, for sure. Yeah, I mean, there's guys that travel together. At the end of the day, you know, mini tour life is is relatively miserable. Is probably too strong a word because then you know they're playing golf for a living. It's relatively miserable. You know. Uh, caddy in a group on a Monday when everybody's going to miss by three or four and there's zero fun happening. They all know they have to go to a mini tour event. The chance is gone again. They're going to do the same shit over and over again, uh, week after week. So there is some com camaraderie, but hanging over everybody is that like running out of money or, you know, got to make it this week. And a lot of guys who have been out there for years and years and like just really have zero desire to be at a mini tour event in Florida or whatever. So yeah, there's definitely camaraderie, but there's also a level of like misery again, it's too strong a word, but it's, it's not the mini tour events are, are not a really fun place in pro golf. So uh, mm -hmm. it's fun for me. I love to go cover them and there's rookies out there who are like, yeah, this is great. I love it. I'm playing golf for a living, but guys who've been out there three or four years are like, have done it literally hundreds of times are like, okay, I'm just going to go get in my cart and do my routine and go to it. So, right. Yeah. I mean, definitely guys get along. I mean, everybody has roommates and friends they travel with and those kind of things, you know, I mean, you're 25 to 28 years old traveling the country, playing golf. There's a lot of fun times for sure, but there's, a, it's a smaller percentage than people would think for sure. Mm -hmm. Just going along those lines, like, What's one of the most uplifting stories or gestures that you've seen or that you can think of in recent memory? Yeah. I mean, it, the golf community has been so good to people. I mean, I've had a follower give a player $10,000, like no strings attached. Uh, I mean, people, a guy this week gave up their home to a player, his own home. I mean, he's living in a hotel for a week or something, staying with a friend or something. Um, yeah, the golf community, I think we see Twitter in general, but in golf that we're like all complainers and we bitch about everything and those kind of things. And, and I think we just got to look deeper. I think it's easy to remember the negative. Um, you know, 
I've been lucky enough to have a platform and this week has been extra special, like helping high school teams out. And really I just have a platform and people do it. So that's definitely been the most rewarding part of the account. Chris by far is, Mm -hmm. is, uh, you know, helping players, helping high school teams. I think bringing these stories and bringing the realization of what these guys go through and girls on the, on the women's tour, um, go through has really brought out a lot of good in people and that that's been awesome to see i mean every week i get a message of like how can i help can i pay for a meal can i pay for a hotel room can i give them money all those kind of things very seldom does a day go by that i don't get a message like that and and that's been very very rewarding for sure Mm -hmm. and i mean it's got to mean so much to these guys to receive a gesture like that i mean just even the smallest things even if it's a meal or uh, part of a hotel room fee or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I, I really think as the account has grown and I've gained the trust of players, you know, they're very appreciative of these stories being told and any help is, is greatly appreciated. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, they, you know, there hasn't been a lot of light shined on them up until like things, my account has grown in those kind of things and, and more mainstream media is picking up these stories, which is, is obviously great. Um, and so they've never really had help. And so to find people that are doing this, you know, out of the kindness of their heart, not knowing, you know, the guy who gave up his home today has never met the player who's staying there. Uh, mm-hmm. and so I, I've never had a player not be amazingly appreciative of the things that my followers have given to them. And then just before we wrap up, I want to, to just give you a chance. Are there any other wild or fascinating stories that that come to mind yeah i mean there's you know there's so many there's it's hard to choose you know i think week to week at a monday everything happens you know it's gonna it's gonna change um you're gonna see a different story i say it i just said it about jay but like you feel like you can't be topped the Corey con <laughs> connor story but eventually it'll be topped um you know i i just think watch this side of pro golf because there's yeah. a lot of really good stories um, and there's, there's guys grinding their butt off and it's very rarely a Monday that I, I mean, this week, Colton Lapa got through with the corn ferry tour Monday. He was at a, he had stopped playing and he, he went to Arizona, never played pro cause he didn't have any money. And then, uh, was at a gym talking to a guy and the guy ended up being his financial sponsor and he turned pro like a week later and now is like playing corn ferry events. So. I mean, crazy circumstances like that, had they have never met or been at the gym, who knows where Colton would be right now, and he's a very good player. So, yeah, I mean, there's rarely a Monday that it's, like, pretty cut and dry, like, oh, these guys, there's always a Monday. Right. Every Monday right. I'm like, wow, this story's pretty good. So, Definitely. Why should people go to local mini tour events, Monday qualifiers in the area? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's no better viewing. If there's a Corn Ferry event in your area – you should go if there's a mini tour of it. Obviously, during COVID, just make sure they check that they're allowing fans. But right, you're the fact is that especially at a corn ferry event, but even at a mini tour event, is you know eventually you're going to see a player that's going to be on tour one day, and you'll never have access to that player like that again. Um, you know, Monday qualifiers are some of the best fan experiences in the world. There's no fan, you know, ten outside of girlfriends, parents sisters best friends 
like true fans there might be 10 at a monday mm-hmm. and there's pga tour winners in every pga tour monday uh you'll never have access like it you're gonna see shots you've never seen that you don't you'll never see with ropes you're gonna uh you know don't talk to players but players will talk to you um you're gonna see how good these guys are on a close basis you'll never see it at a pga tour event because you're always you know four or five deep in a rope um it's an amazing fan experience same at corn Ferry. corn Ferry is just awesome and people don't go and they should mm-hmm. because 100 you're gonna i mean will zelatoris i played i caddied with him in a group in uh chicago last year his last corn Ferry event uh i was caddying for mark and literally there was no fans following us and we're talking about you know a now top 40 player in the entire world we just finished second at the Masters, so right. Um, yeah. Uh, and where can people check to to see where their where a Monday qualifier might be in their area? Yeah, it's it's hard, <laughs> but if there's a PGA Tour event in your area, then there's a Monday in your area for most PGA Tour events. Mm-hmm. So it's very fractured. I put up the the link to uh, every Monday, but it's run by sections. So the link and the scoring and the schedule is at 26 different websites, unfortunately. So <laughs> yeah. if there's a PGA tour, uh, event in your area, there's more than likely a Monday qualifier. There's 26 Mondays. Not every PGA tour event has a Monday qualifier, but, um, yeah, if you live in North Carolina and you're in the Wells Fargo, there's, you know, there's a, uh, there's a Monday coming. So uh, I posted the week, you know, Sunday or Monday, but yeah, they can DM me if, if they're in the area and where, where to go. Definitely follow the account and make sure to go out and watch Monday qualifiers, any mini, mini tour event you can. Um, Ryan, do you want to let the people know what you have going on? Anything they should look out for on your account, et cetera, moving forward? Yeah. I mean, I, I have some exciting news that I can't really talk about, but um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, the fact of the matter is when this comes out is, I'll have access to a budget that will give me uh, access to go and do more in-depth stuff with these guys. So hopefully YouTube's coming and video series and um, crazily enough, we're talking to like streaming services about a, like a kind of a last chance you golf version, those kind of stuff. So yeah, there's a lot of exciting things happening that I'm super excited about because it'll just give me, uh, a budget to to tell these guys and girls stories in in more in depth and uh, totally yeah I, I can't be more excited about what's ahead awesome well make sure you go follow him right now monday q info you can find him really easily on twitter get merch on his website link is in his bio ryan i can't thank you enough for chatting with me it's been an absolute pleasure and i can't wait to hear the news that's going to come out this is unbelievable. I'm coming on this pod. You guys thought this was going to be set me up for a line about losing in a match. With you, and I wouldn't fucking sniff it out. I wouldn't, you didn't think I'd sniff that out? Oh, my God. You oh, two rookies. Oh, you two rookies. Oh,